Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. continue to just play with fire escaping a very 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 tough Turkish team the US was favored by 21 and a half points only winning by one they actually got some really good talent on that Turkish team Korkmaz Stadi Wilbekin Ersan Ilyasova but they got it done from the opposite Side of the world and the people World Cup China 2019. <laughs> Keep playing with fire. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Streaming live here in WNSC Radio. Welcome those of you guys here into a very rainy and rugged and porous evening here in the Central Florida area. Myself and my ride partner, Michael Gray from the DMV area. Folks, for everyone here in the Central Florida area, we've been dealing with all of the, all of a sudden now, tropical storm for Dorian. It is no longer a hurricane. It has been dropped to a Category 2. So our prayers go out to all of our families, our friends, our loved ones here in the Floridian border. And, of course, our neighborly border, which is the Bahamas, who just got, I mean, like, like disastered. I mean, they got plummeled by Dorian. So our hearts and prayers go out to them as well here in the East Coast, in the shores of the Atlantic Ocean. And just about, oh, 300 miles up north from where I am, my man Michael Gray with us again here on the line. What's going on, Mike? Nothing much, man. We had a had a good weekend and a bad weekend. Uh, it was a bad weekend because I was sick majority of the weekend, but it was a great weekend because we had college football come back, and it was a it was a great day in the sports world. The U.S. Open. It was it was, it was a great day for sports fans. So it was a it was up and down weekend, but I enjoyed it. Absolutely, Mike. And I, I want to start off with that. Um, obviously, you heard you heard it first on the soundbite. USA earlier on this morning just went in by one point with the Turkish team. Tatum getting hurt late in that game, but we'll talk about later on about that. But I want to start talking about the um, the U.S. Open out there in New York in Arthur Ashe Stadium. Yes. We saw, I, I saw what you posted as well mm-hmm. with Naomi Osaka, who's by far one of the favorites, if not co-favorites with Serena Williams to win the U.S. Open in the women's side. Mm-hmm. Now, we obviously know that she got upset, so she's out of the event at the moment so seems like it's a straight narrow path for Serena but you never know in these type of uh, tournaments here but um Naomi did as something that was extraordinary 15 year old you know opponent that she beat I, I can't seem to remember the name Mike Coco uh, Golf. Coco Golf. yep there you go exactly and I, I thought that that was just really inspiring because Naomi saw where she came from you know she was once you know, the hunter always wanted to make a name for himself. 
And now, you know, obviously Serena is still the creme of the creme of the women's sport. But you have girls like Naomi Osaka. You have, of course, Sharapova, who's always constant. Azarenka. But I think Naomi Osaka has the best upside, at least as in terms of the women's game, once the baton has been passed down from, of course, Serena Williams. And so uh, she saw where the young lady came from. And I just love the moment at the end of the game where, you know, she publicly announced that, you know, she thought she was amazing. It it was just an an emotional atmosphere in front of center stage in Arthur Ashe Stadium. And, you know, it it brings you back, Mike, to think that sports is not just competition, but it's love. It's camaraderie. And we're remembered of that every time again. And that was displayed the other day, just a couple, about 72 hours ago. It sure was, man. It was a beautiful matchup. I'm not going to lie to you, Sebi. I don't watch too much tennis. I don't watch a lot of tennis. It's not my go-to, like football, basketball, sports like that. But I'm telling you right now, I watched that match from start to finish. I was not missing that match because it was it was something special brewing um, that I don't think a lot of people realized it because this is literally the future of tennis. Coco Golf and Naomi Osaka will be going against each other for years to come and will be competing with competing against each other if in, in the near future uh for for, for a long time. And it's, it's gonna be it was special to watch the the, the warm up of, of that of this uh early rivalry because you know Coco, I, I give her props because she hung tough. She really fought hard. You know, she, she made some minor mistakes, but Naomi Osaka was more battle tested. And it was it was obvious to tell. Right, 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 right. And, she, and, she was, and she was, she's of course the reigning defender. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that definitely. And you know, she's gotten to the point where she's gotten the Japanese uh, world stage, of course, and she's putting the world on notice as well uh, because of her Japanese and American heritage and background. And so, definitely the the future of of the tennis sport, along with Coco, no doubt. No doubt, and, and Naomi, Naomi, she was she was just. Like it was competitive in the first set, but in that second set, she just absolutely dominated. She made the smarter plays. She was more technically sound than than golf was, and it showed. But this, I'm not gonna lie to you, this is what golf needed. I mean, all the greats go through situations like this, go through losses like this, have to overcome adversity like this. This is just a wake up call for Coco Golf to realize that okay, I got to step my game up if I want to compete against the greats and if I want to be one of the greats. So this is this is nothing. This is gonna help Coco in the future. And I, I, you're absolutely right. What I saw after that match, the sportsmanship, the woman empowerment, it was special. It was a great moment to see because, you know, Naomi could have really focused on her victory and, and that. And, and she decided to shed light on how special Coco Golf is for even being in this situation, even being in that match now. And the fact that she's 21 and Golf is 15, they're, they're, they're so young and, and they're on that big stage. It's a special moment for both of them to even be there. And I think she she focused more on that instead of her victory. And, you know, it, it was a great moment to see it. And she also uh, gave a shout-out to Golf's parents as well. So, you know, because they actually have history together, training with each other. So it was a special moment. I was glad to see it. And I can't wait to see those two go at it in the future. And there's two things that stood out to me, Mike. I, I'm agreeing with you. I don't really watch a lot of tennis, but I really do watch the major Grand Slams. We're talking yeah. – you know, uh, Roland Garros, which is the French Open, the Australian Open, the U.S. Open, and, of course, Wimbledon, which is in England. Right. Uh, so those four in particular, when I do have time to watch, uh, I, I do I do uh, uh, take a li- watch at it when I get a chance to, of course. 
because those are the most important and, and prominent uh, Grand Slams, of course. And, and two things that stood out to me, too, is Naomi Osaka. I've mentioned that, yeah, I think she's the future of uh, tennis worldwide. I, I love the dynamic that she has this Japanese and American heritage background. She's playing for the Japanese national team. And and having that background, it wouldn't be shocking to me, Mike, maybe in a year or two, uh, she starts getting that world recognition. That I think she already has, but also endorsements talk, start calling. So be be on the lookout for that. And two, um, this rivalry that you bring it up, it's going to be something special because I remember back in 2001, this is when Serena Williams and Venus Williams were about 15 and 16. And so they were together, right? And they, they've always played together on the doubles team. And so... They really were uh, together. They had this cohesion. They meshed together. But, of course, you know, they're sisters, and they had to play against each other right. in the quarterfinals in the U.S. Open. That was in 2001. And so what was inspiring to me is uh, Venus actually beat Serena. Venus was the mm-hmm. youngest sister, and she actually beat Serena, and Serena cried. Well, in 2003, two years later, Serena got redemption off of that. And so uh, I see that same, you know, theme reoccurring itself again with with Coco and and Naomi Osaka, women that are very young and just coming into their own in the sport. And then once they get their feet well, then they start to have that experience that can go a long way for them. And obviously, you know, the rest is history. Serena Williams is 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 tied as probably going to go to, if not the greatest woman player ever. And. Venus Williams is in a short list. She may go on as, as one of the top 10 best female tennis players of all time. And so um, I, I definitely see a common theme brewing right there. I do too as well. You're absolutely right. Naomi is, Naomi is the future. And, and, the, and the, the way they both carry themselves. I mean, for a 15-year-old, Coco Golf. every time you hear her in the interviews or get, get interviewed by somebody, she's very she's very well media trained. Like she she uh, answers questions very well. And, you know, she's very open. She has an open personality. And, and Naomi as well. She uh, she knows how to, you know, answer questions, and you know she knows she understands what she needs to just take a take a deep breath and then then, then go about what she has to say. Like, like they both they're both very mature for their age, and you know the maturation process for these for these young girls is very special to see, and uh, it's only going to get better as time. Absolutely, there. So we're definitely going to keep our eyes on the U.S. Open, but not only that, upcoming years to come for what seemingly looks like an upcoming rivalry in the tennis game for sure. But, Mike, we got to get to the mitty-gritty because it is fall. The colors are changing. The leaves are changing. We don't get none of that here in in the Central Florida area. But I know you do over there (laughs) in the DMV area. And it is football time. And we started off with the collegiate game, of course. Mike, I... I watched a lot of games last week, and I was thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly satisfied with what I saw. I mean, big-time players. I mean, we, we can start off from, from Jalen Hurts. You know, <laughs> Jalen Hurts, to me, probably uh, inspired, uh, you know, sent me a message the most because he's behind he's, – he's got to be behind what Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray did in Oklahoma. Those two guys are going to go down in Oklahoma sooner lore for what they did, the numbers that they put up, and topping that off with Heisman Trophy winners. And all he's done in his debut is go for a total for 508 yards. I mean, 176 on the ground, over 330 on, on through the air. 
And this Oklahoma offense picked up where I left off. I, I claimed that Riley, uh, Lincoln Riley was the best offensive caller in college football, and they picked up why they left off, Mike. And so Oklahoma looking very special. Um, and next week, we've got a big showdown coming up. You've got the Bayou Bengals of LSU traveling to Austin to take on Sam Ellinger. All he did, Mike, was make sure that the national stage knew who Texas football was. They knew about Vince Young, but this might be the next up-and-coming guy because Sam Ellinger put on a show of, against a very woeful FBS team. You know, it, it, we consider that a scrimmage, of course, not, not <laughs> competition, but he will be tested next week against that LSU defense. So right. I'm excited to see about that. And then, of course, you had the big matchup, Oregon against, of course, Auburn. Oregon wanted to finally get that national recognition. Oh, the Pac-12 sucks. You guys are not going to get anybody. Oh, Washington is through. By the way, Washington looked very good with transfer Georgia quarterback Jacob Eason, by the way. And, of course, Stanford doesn't have their quarterback. So we can eliminate the Pac-12 from college football contention. And so that was their opportunity. They played well through the end, especially that last drive. They made critical mental errors that I think them cost the game. So when we look at uh, week one in college football, what stood out to you? What are some some news and some headlines that stood out to you, Mike? Hello? Mike. Yes, I'm there. Yeah, we can repeat yeah, I was saying, uh, what, what are some things that, that stood out to you when you look back at week one in college football? Some some of the headlines that games that you watch, what stood out to you? Definitely Auburn coming back, uh, being down 21-6 to against Oregon. That was major because, to be honest with you, Sebby, Justin Herbert was looking good. He was looking like a preseason uh, potential Heisman candidate. Um, and then the, the defense and the defense was, was surprising me because I didn't expect the Auburn, I mean, Oregon's defense to look that good in the first half. At the first two and a half quarters, so they they very they really impressed me. But to see Auburn and Bo Nix just be so comfortable and come back and, and win this game for them on a game winning touchdown, that was impressive. Another win that was impressive for me was the game I watched last night was Notre Dame going against Louisville. I thought Notre Dame Notre Dame was a very physical team yesterday on both sides of the ball. Offensive line was getting after it. They were getting physical with with uh, Louisville and also their um, their defensive line. They really got after Jawan Pass. Who's uh, the, the junior? Who's very athletic and can, and can definitely make some things happen. Um, but but uh, but they they got after him, and this game. I think Notre Dame really impressed me how physical they were. You know that they were a very physical team, and it was it was impressive to watch them play. Um, watching watching LSU, I, I'm very intrigued in watching this LSU team this year because I think they really have a chance to to um, compete with Alabama this year to possibly win the win the um, win the SEC. And all along with Georgia, but uh, LSU, I'm really excited to see Joe Burrow, and just to see how uh, how he he uh, manifests in, in this season. And I love this LSU defense. I think this LSU defense can be very special, and it can make some things happen. But all in all, it was a great college football weekend. Of course, Alabama did that thing. You know, I didn't ex- I didn't expect much uh, from Duke, but but Alabama Alabama took care of business. They held surge, but definitely definitely um, LSU, uh, Notre Dame. And Auburn with that comeback, it was impressive. Definitely there. I want to go to start off with that Oregon game. Oregon showed me something defensively. There's a lot of knock that the Pac-12 doesn't really play defense, and rightfully so. They're all running guns, spread offense, read option stuff. But defensively, at least in the first three quarters, what they did to a true freshman and Bo Nix, they said that we're going to stack the box 
and stop the run. And uh, we're up to this point. We we don't believe Bo Nix can beat us. And so that secondary, that's what really caught my eyes, Mike. That secondary played really well up until that fourth quarter where they made some critical errors and gave up some uh, misassignments in that back end, which cost them the game for sure. So um, I know Oregon lost. And people may think that, you know, their window for the college football playoffs is, is is over. But I see them, if they run the table, and they got a really good, tough teams to play. You got Washington, who they looked very good last week. And you got teams like Stanford, who's always tough, especially defensively. So they got to go at Stanford, I think, in week four, week five. So if they run the table, I think they can still be in that mix late November, early December, where we're talking about teams that could potentially be in that top four. So... Duck fans shouldn't have to be worried. Rest assured that if they run the table, they may have a chance um, as well. But, uh, but yeah, th- th- Mike, there, there was a lot of great games. I mean, Notre Dame, to me, I- I'm not sure if I was more impressed by Notre Dame or, sh- or do I think that all of a sudden maybe Louisville might be a sneaky team, especially defensively. That was an ugly game, Mike, yesterday. Ian Book did not look very good. I think Notre Dame did not look like a college football team that they were last year. Um, We know that they had depth, especially at the running back position. They lost that Dexter Williams, who ran over 1,800 yards. We asked ourselves who was going to step up uh, as well. But um, Ish Smith definitely stepped up and played that role. Ian Book did not look very good to me. Um, A lot of fumbles. It was a very ugly game, especially from Louisville's part of the game but defensively Louisville looks stout up front a very especially against I consider a pro style you know offensive line that uh, Notre Dame has in a pro style defensive line because they're big they're strong they're they're agile they can move at the point of the attack and so I, what I saw was Louisville attacking that with their speed and their knack for the football and so I'm not sure if I was very impressed with Notre Dame they've got uh, a lot of work to do. They have Georgia in a couple weeks. So if you think you're going to play like this against Georgia and you're, you know, scrambling the football against Louisville, best of luck. You got to go to Athens for that. Good luck with that. And then, of course, they got some ACC teams to play. Um, Clemson, I believe. And, of course, USC, which is a rivalry at the end of the year, is never easy. So I'm not sure if I'm really impressed with Notre Dame as well. But a guy that really impressed me, Mike, is what I'm really looking for next week. Game of the week, LSU at Texas. And that's Sam Ellinger of Texas, man. Gotcha. This this guy's special, Mike. He's special. He's special. I'm going to throw your stat here, Mike. Um, only Tim Tebow. What does Tim Tebow, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, all, all of those quarterbacks, What are, what is the one thing that they all have in common? They can run the ball. They can run the ball in what? What prestigious award do they have? Heisman. That's right. And so Sam Ellinger, to me, is right in that thing. Let me throw you a stat. Last year, last year, Mike, last year, Sam Ellinger ran for 17 touchdowns and threw for 25 in the air. The only guys that ever did that was those lists that I just named you, and they all won in uh, uh, Heisman trophies. If it wasn't for a great year for Tua or Kyler Murray, Sam Ellinger might have been going to New York and potentially having a chance to win that. And if he does anything for an encore like that this year, Mike, we're definitely going to see him in New York because this guy's special. I, I saw the L.A. Tech, and I know L.A. Tech, it's a scrimmage. We saw what Maryland did to 
what, what was the team that the Maryland beat seven nine to zero? Howard. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, like teams like that, like these 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 college institutions. You know, that's malpractice, Mike. Y'all taking these 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 schools money. You know, you guys are wiping them like that. So teams like LA Tech, it's a tough task. You tell them to come to Austin, Sam Ellinger. Uh, you know, probably the best, if not the second best, receiving duo in the Big Twelve in Texas. They get wiped like that. I mean, it's it's just. It's just an atrocity to watch. But nevertheless, Sam Ellinger is special. And I'm excited to see him against that LSU defense and SEC defense. And, of course, headlines, Joe Burrow versus him. So that's going to be a lot of things to watch about in week two. Yeah, it sure is. I wanted to get back to my point on Notre Dame. I wasn't impressed with their total game. I was impressed with the physicality I saw on both sides of the ball on the, on the line of scrimmage. Like, you're absolutely right. They, they turned the ball over too much. It was a stretch where they literally turned the ball over. Then Louisville turned the ball over. Then they turned the ball over again. It was it was it was it was it was bad. But but the physicality I saw on both sides of the ball on the offensive line and defensive line that was impressive. And I think that alone can can help them win ball games. And that alone can uh, can help can help their chances of possibly of possibly going far. But um but you're absolutely right about um about Sam Ellinger. He was very accurate. He, he was very accurate uh, this past weekend, and I expect I expect him to be that way throughout the entire season. And next week is going to be a real big test, not only for him but again for this Texas team. You know, if this Texas team wants to get back on the map and back in the you know conversation of where where they once were uh, back in the day, then this is a this will be a big step for them. This will be a big win against them against a great LSU team. And you're absolutely right; they they have a chance to do something special. But yeah, it was a great it was a great week one. You're right. You're absolutely right. Some of these blowouts in week one, it's just like, you know, the, the first week and it's more so for that the team that got blown out than the team that won because, you know, what does Alabama really get out of playing Duke? You know, what does Maryland really get out of playing Howard? They, they, you saw the score, Wisconsin against USF. You know what I mean? You saw the score. Jonathan Taylor's a bad boy, by the way. Man. They, 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 yeah, you're right. They, 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 the scores were atrocious, but, you know, there's, it's more so for the team that lost than the team that won. And it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, you're absolutely right. They're taking their money, you know, but it's a chance to go against a top team. And sometimes you need to get whooped like that in order to wake up and, you know, realize you need to take your game to the next level. So um, it, it was a great – and then week two, we normally, week two and so forth is when we normally get the competitive game. So I'm looking forward to see the rest of the season. Yeah. And I know Tom Herman with Texas is definitely telling Sam Ellinger, this is our college football if we're in or if we're not because our non-strength, non-conference uh, uh, strength of schedule, we get a chance to play LSU and SEC team, and then we got to play Oklahoma. If they beat LSU and run the table and beat Oklahoma, I don't think there's no doubt Texas getting in, and they'll for sure make sure that the Longhorns are back. But I, I want to get to uh, Alabama, Mike. I, I saw that Duke game. So about for uh, maybe a quarter and a half, maybe two, uh, Duke actually showed me something. And so I thought that right off the bat, you know, you look at Alabama versus Duke. First of all, Daniel Jones isn't there. So if Duke thinks that they're going to make this a game, I don't even see how this remotely can even be a competition. And so right. for oh, maybe a quarter and a half, they made it very interesting. The defense was stout. They were giving uh, two attack of the lower different looks. And I thought that's what um, I thought they did a very good job looking at that Clemson tape, because I thought that's what Clemson did last year in that national title game. They saw the tape. And they said, we know we can't match up one-on-one with these speedsters with Alabama. Jerry Judy's special. Waddle's special. 
Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, they have the best receiving court in the country. So they knew that they had to get themselves and give them different looks and blitz packages to get after Tua. And they did that very well. And then, of course, in the second half, just, you know, the talent of Alabama took over. And, and you saw the the Belitnikoff winner, Jerry Judy, really go nuts. But um, Duke saw something. So that's another one. We're not really going to be able to evaluate Alabama until the last four games of the season when they play Auburn, potentially Georgia in the, in the SEC title game. And then if they get to the playoffs, maybe uh, Big 12 or Big 10 title game, and then maybe Clemson. So games like that, you really can't evaluate them. So it's interesting to see there for sure. But I'm really excited for week two. As I mentioned, Mike, you've got number 12, Texas A&M going to Clemson. I think that's a very good test for Trevor Lawrence, who I think will run the table this year. And so you get to see a, an SEC West defense and, of course, a big one, LSU in Texas. So a lot of things to watch and keep an eye on for week two. No doubt. I'm excited as well. It's going to be a it's going to be a great college football season. I think we're only, we're only scratching the surface of how good the season's going to be. I'm excited. Definitely there for the college football game. We are thrilled and excited for sure. <laughs> and it's crazy, Mike, to only think this is just week one. <laughs> right. The Semi Podcast Radio Show, streaming side, the studios of WNSC. When we come back, we shift gears to the NFL, where 48 hours from now, we'll be live in Lambeau, Aaron Rodgers, and against that Bond team, Bears defense, led by Khalil Mack, the first game to kick off the 100th anniversary of the National Football League. We'll make our week one picks, myself and Michael Gray inside the studios in WNSC. The NFL game. What better way, Mike, to start the 100th anniversary of the NFL game than the original game that first started? So back in September in 1919, the Bears and the Packers met up in Lambeau Field. This time it's going to be in Soldier Field in Chicago. We knew Chicago had the second-ranked defense led by All-Pro Khalil Mack. What should we expect, Mike, 48 hours from now in Soldier Field? It's going to be cold. A hostile environment. Aaron Rodgers in the hot seat. What should we expect in that game? I expect a big big time game from Aaron Rodgers. And it's going to be a, a, a stiff competition going against going against that tough defense with Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson, and those boys. Uh, it's going to be special. I, I expect, I expect a, a defensive game from most of it. And then I expect the offenses to pick up uh, later on in the second half. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a dog fight. It's gonna be physical. You have two this Green Bay. You have two teams that love to get after it. This Green Bay defense has vastly improved from last year. When you had guys like Adrian Amos who came over from the Bears, you added you added Sheldon Richardson on your defensive line to beef up that front. So I expect this Green Bay defense to look a lot better to to show that that they're an improved defense from last year. And I also expect Aaron Rodgers to come out with a vengeance. You know, Aaron Rodgers will tell you that he didn't have his best season last year. He was very inaccurate on some of his passes. Um, yes, he didn't throw many interceptions, but he didn't complete as he didn't complete as many passes, and he didn't look like the normal Aaron Rodgers that we're used to. So I expect him to come out and set the tone for the season, set the tone for these Packers, and and, and really, uh, you know, get his relationship with Matt Mafleur off to a, a great start. And I expect the the Green Bay Packers to win this game. Um, I say possibly by somewhere between a touchdown and 10 points. 
Uh, it's going to be pretty close, and I think Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay will pull out in the end. Wow, wow, wow. So Mike is going with the underdog here, actually Chicago's favorite at home, <laughs> by a field goal on opening night in Soldier Field. And so when we look at the opposite side here, so not hot seat expectations for Mitchell Trubisky, but in his second season, um, what should we expect with him and Matt Nagy's team? He finished second last year only to Lamar Jackson with quarterbacks that had more yards with their legs. And so they bring back Tariq Cohen. They lose, uh, you know, they lose Howard. They're back um, to Philadelphia. But you still got Trey Burton. You still got Allen Robinson, who's a promising tight end. Their number one wide out. Um, and so what should we b- believe in with the Chicago Bears offense? I think the Chicago Bears offense can can um, improve and also and also be steady because we don't need much from the Chicago uh, Bears offense. When you have a defense like the Bears have right now, the offense doesn't need to, you know, be high scoring or, you know, have uh, put up big numbers and things of that nature. They just have to control the ball and make sure that you don't turn the ball over and make sure that you can you can you can muster 21 points. If you can muster up 21 points in this league with this defense that you have, you're going to win majority of your games. And you know, yeah. it's going to be times where they might get more than 21 points because the defense might score. That's how opportunistic this defense is. So, I expect the offense to, you know, to to to, to focus heavily on, you know, uh, controlling the ball, not turning the ball over, making sure that, you know, Tariq Cohen gets his touches cuz he's he's electric. Not only running the ball, but catching the catching passes out of the backfield, like you said, Allen Robinson is a very good receiver, especially as a deep threat. Trey Burton, of course, and uh, it's it's special. I'm I'm intrigued to see Mitchell Trubisky take that next step. You know, last year um, I didn't have too much faith in the Bears because I didn't feel like he was the quarterback that was going to take them all the way. But this year, if he continues to take that next step and continues to grow as a quarterback and grow as a player, uh, this offense could really could take this uh, team a long way just because of how lethal this defense is. Definitely there. Now, I don't know if this stat needs anything, but nobody in Madden, especially on the defensive side, has more 80-plus ratings than the Chicago Bears defense. Hicks, Mack, you have Ed Goldman in the middle, Raekwon Smith, Eddie Jackson, yes, uh, their corner, Kyle Fuller, and others. So this Bears defense, their vaunted Bears defense, looking to feast a bear down in Chicago. We're going to go list by list, Mike, and go on all of these games. Gotcha. So the Patriots open up their sixth Super Bowl. They're going to raise their banner on their sixth Super Bowl in Foxborough. This time it's against a very vastly improved Steelers team that has its has a chip on their shoulder this season. They're not picked to win the AFC North. They have a chip on their shoulders. A lot of noise, headaches are gone with Bell and Brown. A tough test early to open up the season in Foxborough. Patriots are opening up their sixth season this year. Bill Belichick said this is the best roster he's had in a while. They said they've got youth mixed with experience. It's crazy to think the Patriots are only getting better, Mike. So Sunday night football, 820, Patriots and Steelers, who you got? I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I, I like the Steelers to win this game because they're, they're I think they're going to set the tone for their season. This is a motivated Pittsburgh Steelers team, and we all know, watching the Patriots over the over the years, the best time to get them is early in the season. The best time to get to to sneak a W over with the Patriots or earn a W, I should say, is early in the season because that's when they're you know still getting adjusted to the new the new new team that they have. You know the new guys are still getting acclimated. 
Uh, they're still warming up to the season. Uh, this is the best time to to get the Patriots as week one. And I think the Steelers are, are not only just a team that can do it, but they're a formidable team that can be had, and they have the, the talent and the pieces around to make it happen. Big Ben Roethlisberger has a chip on his shoulder. Mike Tomlin has a chip on his shoulder. Juju Smith-Schuster has a chip on his shoulder. And we have a guy on the defense, uh, a rising star in the making, is coming into his rookie season, a guy named Devin Bush, who is special. I mean, this brother, I think on Sunday Night Football, we are really going to, there's a lot of people around the world going to know who Devin Bush is, and he's going to show the world what's going on. And I, I like the Pittsburgh Steelers to win this game. I, I think it's going to be a dogfight, of course, because Brady and Roethlisberger tend to go back and forth every time they match up together. So it's going to be a dogfight. It's not going to be easy. But I see the Pittsburgh Steelers coming out in the end and, and, and pulling it out. My, wow, Mike just loving the underdogs. <laughs> okay, I've learned better not to bet against Tom Brady. So uh, Patriots are five-and-a-half-point favorites here. I think it'll be closer than that. I think it'll be somewhere along the lines, maybe by a field goal. So maybe the money and the betters are better with Pittsburgh there. So from there, we go to the Sunday games. You've got the Titans and the Browns. The Browns, all of the expectations that they have this season, it's no longer (coughs) dog found. It's the dog pound, and they're pounding again with guys like Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, and of course, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr. They're playing the Titans, who don't have a quarterback, Mike, and that's as simple as that. I love the Browns in this game, and I like them to cover, actually, in this pretty low spread. I like the Browns in this game as well, and I actually like the Browns big. I like the Browns to, to take advantage of this game, to be very opportunistic and make big-time big, big time plays, and uh, I, I like the Browns to, to, uh, to, ha- to handle the Titans pretty well. I think it's going to be a double-digit double digit win. I think they win by at least two touchdowns. And I, I like the Browns. I like them to set the tone off after this season, right? And, um, you know, the Titans, uh, I, I just I just don't see it with this game. I, I just don't think they have the firepower right now. They can make it competitive for a few quarters. But I think later on in the second half, they'll start. the Browns will start to break away. And, uh, and, and the fourth, by the fourth quarter, the game will be over. I like the Browns in this game as well. Two teams that are in opposite directions. The Dolphins, wow, Mike. Early on this week, Laramie Tunsil, perhaps one of the better, um, you know, left guards, if not left tackles in the game, getting traded to the Houston Texans. We're laughing about the Houston Texans not having no O-line help. Well, they laughed at us because they traded for not only Laramie Tunsil, but also a very good speedster in Kenny Stills that was in the Dolphins' um, wide receiving core. Now adding another weapon for, of course, Deshaun Watson and so I think it's tanking season for the Dolphins and the Ravens themselves they have AFC North aspirations but also Super Bowl aspirations with John Harbaugh I like the Ravens big and I think they're easy gonna cover that seven points I like the Ravens as well I think the Miami Dolphins I think they're still trying to find themselves and I think this this six days aren't enough for them to really find themselves and get ready for a team like Baltimore Baltimore already has an identity. They have a mystique about themselves. They have a foundation. It's a foundation that's been laid ever since Ray Lewis has been there. And, and ever since he's retired, that mystique hasn't gone away. And this Baltimore Ravens team is hungry. They're ready to go. They have uh, uh, some motivated uh, dogs on their, on their defense like Earl Thomas and others that are just ready to play football and ready to go and ready to, uh, to make things happen. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson is going to have fun in this game and, and run roughshod and and throw the ball and complete complete a lot of passes to his new his new weapons on the outside. 
I, I expect Baltimore to win this game big, and I expect uh, I expect my I expect Miami to I expect Miami to not really not really I don't really expect much from Miami in this game. I, I expect Baltimore to win win this game big, and I think this is one of the games during the week where it's not going to be much in question. I like Baltimore. All right, definitely there. This perhaps might be one of the closer games and perhaps one of the better games in week one. You've got Matt Ryan in that high-powered, potent offense. They're finally healthy. Freeman is back. And on defense, they're back healthy now. Keanu Neal's back. Mm-hmm. You've got Deion Jones who's back. That, that, that Atlanta defense is really battered with injuries. They're going to Minnesota to take on Kirk Cousins. Falcons at Vikings. The Vikings are favored by four, but I actually like Atlanta who I've got big, 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 big hopes for the season. I like them to win on the road, but I won't be – I'm not so, you know, sold on it because that Vikings defense is very good at home. But give me Atlanta. I'll take the points. Got you. I, I'm, I'm going to roll with the home team on this one. I, I think I like the Vikings. You know, on paper, when you look at it, the Atlanta Falcons probably have the better team of the two. But in this one game, I'm going to go with the Vikings. I think the Vikings are, are, are motivated coming off this last season where they had a chance to get into the playoffs at the end of the regular season and they couldn't do it. You know, Kirk Cousins is a, is a very solid regular season quarterback and, and the tone for the season this year to, to really make some big time plays against the Falcons. I think this deep, this Minnesota defense is going to make it, make it very tough for Atlanta. And I'm, I'm going to pick the whole team. I'm going to pick uh, Minnesota to win this game. They're going to pull away in the fourth quarter. I see that game as strength against strength. You know, Atlanta yeah. receiving court and their skill position players. But there's only a handful of teams in the NFL that can say, we have a secondary to match up and counter what you got. Yeah. Xavier Rhodes, Harrison Smith, Trey Waynes, and others. And so Vikings secondary has something to say about that. That's going to be a key to watch out in that game. From there, we go to the Bills and the Jets and old AFC East rivalry. I think the Jets are going to be vastly improved, Mike. I can actually see them winning eight games. You you tell Sam Darnold we're going to give you help. We bring Le'Veon Bell, who's a three-down back, right? We give you some speedsters out wise. You bring Jameson Crowder in the slot for you so he can work over the middle and also the intermediate routes. We still got Robbie Anderson and then opportunistic defense. You've got both Williams, Leonard and Quentin Williams with the third overall pick. You bring C.J. Mosley as the leader of that defense along with Jamal Adams. At home in the Meadowlands, I like the Jets. I like the New York Jets as well. I really do. I, I think Buffalo is still, you know, trying to find their identity and still trying to figure things out as, as an organization, as a franchise. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't I don't see the, uh, the Jets blowing them out because this is a rivalry game. And in this rivalry, you can never – It's a division this, game, Mike. This, 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 this is a divisional game. You can never, never count out the Buffalo Bills when it comes to a divisional game because they're so opportunistic. The minute you think they're going to fold, they come back and stand 10 toes and they hold they hold their own. So I, I expect the Buffalo Bills to make this competitive because that's just what they do against their against their divisional opponents and against most of the teams in the league, to be honest with you. But definitely against their divisional opponents. But I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna give the nod to the New York Jets. I think they close it out, close this game out at home. It's funny you say that, Mike, because last year the Bills went into New York and beat them thirty to nine. Yeah, uh, I believe it was uh, Josh Allen and Lashawn McCoy, who's not there anymore. They ran wild against that Jets uh, uh, defense. And so that's that's a, that's a little toss-up game there for sure. Mike, I know you're not happy about this. Listen to this, Mike. Your Redskins are going into Philadelphia in Lincoln Financial Field. Almost 10-point underdogs against Carson Wentz and company. What do you expect there? Well, first of all, I'm a Giants fan. <laughs> it's, a, it's, not, <laughs> it's not my Redskins, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you, Sebby. 
I expect the Redskins to play a great game on Sunday. I do. I expect them to play a great game defensively and be competitive. I expect Case Keenum to, to surprise some people and make some make some big time plays. But I'm gonna pick the Philadelphia Eagles to hold surge at home. I think I think they're gonna play great, but I think Philadelphia is just too loaded, too talented, and they're 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 hungry as well. And I think with the, the roster that they have, they know that getting a divisional win at, at home to start the season is major. They don't want to start off 0-1 in the division already. And I, I expect the Eagles to come out and put, put this game out in the fourth quarter. But it's going to be a dogfight. I, I expect the Washington Redskins to be nip and tuck right there with the Eagles. Definitely there. That's going to be a great game. Give me the Eagles as well. I just think that you got a young Redskins team against Carson Wentz, who's you know, and his there, he's got noise. People saying, "Oh, Nick Foles, you didn't win a championship." But I think he's got something to play for as well. Oh yeah. And of course, maybe this might be the game. Deshaun Jackson going back home, he might get a deep one. So I like I like the Eagles in that game as well. So from there, we go to the national, the NFC conference reigning champion, that being the Los Angeles Rams, the Super Bowl runners up. They're going into Carolina, Mike, mm. to take on Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. We're not sure if Cam Newton is healthy enough to play for that game. I, all signs say that he will play for that game. The warrior that Cam Newton is, I know he'll definitely suit up and put on his pads for this game for sure. LA Rams are actually a two, a, a field goal favorite on the road, actually. But, you know, Mike, this is my first upset. Carolina Panthers, they still got a really good defense. Last time I checked, Luke Kukli is one of the premier leaders and also the premier linebackers in the game. Star Atuele. Uh, I like Christian McCaffrey as well in this matchup. I think that, you know, the Rams, they may have and come back with one of those Super Bowl hangovers. And it's not an easy place going to Carolina against Ron Rivera, who's a great coach as well. Give me Carolina. I know Cam Newton, if, as long as he doesn't make any turnovers, and I think he'll have a great game in this one. Give me Carolina as the underdogs in this matchup. Yes, I, I, to be honest with you, Sebi, I like Carolina in this game too as well. You know, this, and this is not a knock on the Rams. One of the biggest keys that we have for these West Coast teams traveling to this East Coast, they don't always look the same. They don't yeah. always look like the team that we the time excuse team. me are accustomed yeah. are accustomed to seeing. So I expect. You're right. Along with the Super Bowl hangover that the Rams already have, I expect them to come into the East Coast and come to Carolina. And I don't see, I don't think they'll play their best game. I like Carolina in this matchup. They're at home. They're hungry. Cam Newton has heard all the noise in this offseason. Uh, you know, I, I know he's motivated to come out strong, and I, I know he'll be healthy. He'll be healthy enough to go, and, and he'll be healthy enough to get this team a victory. I like the Carolina Panthers in Week One as well. Definitely there. One of the more intriguing matchups in week one, Jalen Ramsey said that, and also Doug Marone said that Ramsey will definitely shadow Tyreek Hill in week one. I remember last year, Jalen Ramsey said that Tyreek Hill isn't really that good as a receiver. He's good as an all-pro, as a special teams returner. I love Jalen Ramsey. I love what he's all about, but be careful. Be careful. Be careful, Jalen Ramsey. This Tyreek Hill, this cheetah, he's something else. So they're going... They're going to be at home. Patrick Mahomes is coming to Duval in Jacksonville to take on a very much improved defense. Mike, the Jacksonville is a four-point underdog in this game. I like Jacksonville. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I know Patrick Mahomes, 
of that red hot offense. You got Tyree Kill, you got Kelsey, but the Jaguars are a different team at home, especially defensively. They hold teams to I think some crazy stat, Mike, only ten points per game at home. So, um, you know the Chiefs they got to travel cross country to the <coughs> Eastern Time Zone as well. Patrick Mahomes is trying to put on a show like he did last year, but uh, in a close one, I think. At the end of the day, I think it's Nick Foles that's going to get the better of this matchup. I like Jacksonville in the upset here. Sebi, we we are on the same page. I actually like Jacksonville in this game too, and I don't I don't even look at it as an upset. I, I think this Jacksonville defense is hungry. They are motivated. Majority of their starters barely played a single down in the preseason. They are ready for this. They have been waiting for this moment for a long time. You know, I, it's a, it's a lot of. It's a lot of motivated uh, rough riders on that defense that you would just love to play with. You would hate to play against, but you love them on your team. Those are the type of guys, and that's the type of attitude they have on this defense. And I think Nick Foles is going to have himself a game as well. You know, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't really look at it as much as an upset. I just think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a tough time with this defense. And you're right. When they're at home. They are lights out. They fly around and they they put on a show for those fans in Duval. I'm going with Jacksonville. I like it there. I like Leonard Fournette to at least get 100 in this game. People tend to forget Jacksonville's a running team. And they're yeah. led by Leonard Fournette, who they picked up number four overall just a couple years ago. He's back. Hopefully he's healthy. I like him to get it going. And that sets up the play action for Nick Foles to hit guys like D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole in that matchup. So that's going to be very entertaining. I'll tune into that game for sure. From the 1 o'clock, we go to the 4 o'clock games, Mike. The Colts, who we thought that all, they had aspirations to potentially come out of the AFC. We know Andrew Luck retiring. Not easy task to go to L.A., which already is a very distracting city. So you got to get your mind ready. You got to get your team ready without Andrew Luck. You're going to play the Chargers, who they have something to play themselves. They have a bitter taste. Last year, losing in Foxborough in that divisional matchup, getting blasted by Tom Brady and company. Phillip Rivers, Keenan Allen. I know Melvin Gordon is not there yet, but I like Eckler. I think that's too much offense. I like the Chargers here. I, I like I like the Chargers as well, but Sebi, I got to admit to you, I think this is going to be one of the ugliest games of week one. I think this is going to be one of the games that's not very entertaining to watch. There's going to be a lot of mistakes being made out there because I'm not sold on the Chargers being all the way ready right now. You know, the loss of Derwin James is going to hurt, and if possibly not having Melvin Gordon for week one either is going to hurt them as well. And I think this coach defense is still gritty. They still have that defense. But I, I just don't like the fact that Andrew Luck is not there. And I, I can't put all my eggs in one basket on uh, banking that uh, Jacoby Brissett is going to go out there and have a field day against the Chargers in week one. I just don't see it. So I think this is going to be one of those uh, low-scoring, ugly games that possibly led in either the late uh, teens or the early 20s. But I'm going to give the Chargers the nod just because I think Phillip Rivers is, gonna, is good enough to close it out and you know, get, get that first home win for them. Definitely there. And then from L.A., we go up north to the Pacific Northwest. You've got the Bengals. That's right, the Cincinnati Bengals going to the 12th man in Seattle. Russell Wilson got paid big bucks, highest paid quarterback in the NFL. I think he's going to show out. The Seahawks defense is still relatively good. I get Russell Wilson. I get Pete Carroll. And then I have to go against who? I get Bill Lazor, and I get Andy Dalton. This is an easy matchup for me. Give me Seattle at home. That 12th man is going to be roaring, roaring up there in Seattle. Uh, I'm going with Seattle as well. But, Sebi, I'm not going to lie to you. I think it's going to be a very competitive game. 
Because I'm interested to see what these Cincinnati Bengals look like post Marvin Lewis. You know, I think I think mm. I think post Marvin Lewis, you got him out of there. <clears throat> I wasn't an advocate for getting him fired because you know he was one of the he was one of the most uh, black coaches in the league with longevity. He just didn't have any he just didn't have any accolades or any playoff wins to back him up. But I think post Cincinnati, now that they got that out of their system and they're starting fresh with this, they still have a lot of talent on this team. This team can match up with pretty much any other team in the NFL talent-wise. You got John Ross, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. <laughs> definitely, yeah. I think, you know, the loss of A.J. Green for a few weeks definitely hurts. But I think this team, I think post-Marvin post Lewis, this team can really show us something and really compete at a high level. And they still have the time to compete. They have the time to go up there and compete with Seattle. I'll still give the nods to Russell Wilson and the Seattle team because I think this defense is going to put on the show. That defensive line is going to be ready to come after Andy Dalton. Bobby Wagner is going to have those boys ready to go. <coughs> Excuse me. And I'm, I'm going to go with Seattle to win the game, but I think Cincinnati is going to make it very competitive. Definitely. That's going to be a game to watch out for. A competitive game in Seattle. Wow, wow, wow. And, of course, we shouldn't be surprised. For the fifth year straight, the New York Giants are going to Jerry World in Big D to take on Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. We don't know if he's playing yet. Earlier on, I heard a stat that all of a sudden, maybe that deal's getting done quicker than later. So the Giants against the Cowboys. The Giants here always play the Cowboys tough. They do. always. They always give them problems, especially in in Dallas. And if there was ever a time that the Cowboys, the, the Giants can win a game, it's now. With all of the noise going around, is Dak going to get paid? Is Zeke going to get paid? Amari Cooper hasn't gotten paid yet. Leal Collins, people are saying, why are you paying an offensive tackle instead of your triplets? So if there was ever a time that the Giants should win a game, it should be this one. But you know what? I think the Cowboys are smarter than that, especially with their defensive coordinator. I think they're going to load eight in the box to stop Saquon Barkley. They're going to trust Eli Manning to beat them. I say the Cowboys still win this game, not cover seven points, but I think they win this game despite all of the noise that's going down there. Stevie, I can't wait for you to get to this game. I know, I, I know, I know. Early on, you know, we were talking about the NFL season coming up. I said that my New York Football Giants. I expect them to win five games, no more than six. One of those five or six wins is going to be against the Cowboys. <laughs> I fully Why expect, am I not surprised? I fully expect us to win this game. I, I I think the Giants are motivated. I think they've heard all the noise. Oh, this team is going to be terrible. This, that, and the third. You're absolutely right. If it was ever a time to get the Dallas Cowboys, it's right now. You know, people are wondering about if they're going to get paid or not. You know, they're locking up the offensive line and this. But I think I think we have an opportunistic defense, <laughs> and I I expect Saquon Barkley to have a have a field day and have a ball game, and and him having a great game is going to open up that play action for Eli. And we have weapons on the outside that can get it done and, and make some things happen. So I'm going to I'm gonna go with the Giants to win this game. I, it's going to be tough, obviously. The Cowboys, it's always a tough game between the Giants and the Cowboys. But I think the Giants are going to squeak out a victory. It's going to be very nail-biting. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter. I expect Eli to pull it out in the fourth. I did say this. The Giants do play Cal- Dallas, very well, especially in Dallas. I did, I did mention that, yeah. uh, of course. And, and, for, and another thing, Mike. The Dallas, uh, the the Giants front four, uh, for some reason, they know how to play against Ezekiel Elliott. Yes. They know how to stop the run. 
They do. Yes. Now they don't have Snacks Harrison anymore, but they know how to stop the run, that run game of Dallas. And so that's going to be interesting to watch. This is a game next in the desert. You've got the Lions and the Cardinals. I don't know who to pick, Mike. So I guess we're going to have a tie <laughs> to start off the season. I don't like both teams. You got Matt Stafford. You've got the Cardinals. But if I had to pick, this is tough. But um, if I had to pick, the Lions are a two point road favorite. The Lions are not the same team on the road like they're at home. So I think I think Kyler Murray may have his first career start as a professional quarterback. And I think that their defense still has some great talent. Buda Baker is special, Mike. You got Chandler Jones still there. You got, of course, all pro and Patrick Peterson. I think they can get a couple turnovers. I know Matt Stafford better than anybody. He's going to give up some some turnovers. So give me the Cardinals. Cliff Shrewsbury getting his first win as a head coach. I'm actually going to put the Lions in this game, uh, Savvy. I think the Lions are a better team than people are giving them credit for. Yes, they um they have underachieved in the years past, and so has Matthew Stafford. Um, but I think they're good enough to win this game in Arizona. Yes, they don't play well on the road, but one of the things that's going to help them with Arizona is majority of the t- is two things. One, they do play; they are playing in a dome, so they have some familiarity with playing in the dome out there in Arizona. And not only that, Sebi, I don't know if you noticed, but when you go against Arizona on the road, it doesn't feel like a road game. There are plenty of of opponents, uh, opposing teams, fans in that stance. That's that, true. That, that can make you feel like you're at home at times. And Detroit fans have travel, and I, and I don't care what team it is, they seem to have fill up the stands with a lot of opposing teams' fans. So I think that can help in their advantage as well. And I'm going with Detroit. I think Detroit is going to win this game uh, against Arizona. Wow, wow, wow. I will say this. You know, for your first career start, Colin Murray, to play against a Matt Patricia defense, you know he's going to come after you. So oh, yeah. that's, that's going to be very interesting. Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones are still have talent on the outside. Yeah, that, that couldn't be bad. I just – I don't know. I was never a fan of the Lions, man. Never a fan no, of the Lions. It's a little up and down, but I, I, it's a little <laughs> up and down. That's why I said it's going to be a tie. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see why you think it's going to be up and down because it's two teams that you really don't have much expectations for to make anything happen this year. You know, they they, they can be competitive against most teams, but they're not really going to make much noise. And then they have to go against each other week one. So it's kind of – I can see why it's a little dicey for you to make a decision. But, yeah, I'm going to give the slight edge to the, to the, uh, to the Detroit Lions. The last four o'clock game on Sunday, you've got the 49ers. That's another team out west traveling east. They're coming to the hot, 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 hot and rugged sunshine state of Florida. They're going to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who've got the new regime now. It's the Bruce Arians era in Tampa Bay. He's looking to be a quarterback whisperer for Jameis Winston. With all that's going on here in Florida, with Dorian, with the heat, with everything that's going on, all signs say that the Buccaneers can steal this, right, as an underdog. In fact, the line is even, Mike. But I'm going to go with the 49ers. I have big, 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 big hopes for them this year. Jimmy Garoppolo, if you you are who I think you are, and I think you're a very competent, very good quarterback. You're worth your money. You got to go out there. You got to make a statement cross-country to Tampa against all the odds, against Dorian, against all. I know Tampa Bay is going to be playing for its faithful. I like the 49ers here to win by very interesting game, Mike. It's going to be very close. Trust me. I know Tampa Bay, 
they're going to come out, especially with the events that's going on in Florida. Oh, yeah, for sure. You're absolutely right. And that's part of the reason why I picked Tampa Bay to win this game. You know, Tampa Bay, like you said, they're motivated. They're playing for Hurricane Dorian. They're playing for the people in the city, the people across the state of Florida, to be honest with you. And not only that, it's another one of those situations where you have a cross-country team coming to the East Coast, especially a Florida, coming, to a, coming to Florida. And, you know, sometimes that game doesn't travel all the way, and you don't, you don't look the best. And I think, yes, Jimmy G. I expect Jimmy G to have a great game, but I expect Jameis Winston and this Buccaneers offense to have a great game as well. I expect them to make some noise. Uh, Jameis Winston is motivated. Uh, he's heard all the noise. You know, he's heard uh, – he, he knows that this is this is make or break for him. He, he has a guy, Bruce Arians, who wanted to coach him and wanted to be by his side and wanted to help mold him into the player he wants to become. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Tampa Bay to win this win this uh, home opener. You know, and plus they have they still have opportunistic players on that defense. You know, just signing Darian Stewart. You still have Levante David. I expect them to make some big time plays and, and hold surge at home against the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Definitely, there. we'll be keeping an eye on that for sure. And then we have two Monday night special games. Mike, I was looking at the schedule. I'm like, what is the game of the week? And looking at the schedule, it has to be this game, Mike. The newly rejuvenized and new look Houston Texans are going to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans. You got the Texans, you got the Saints. All signs say Drew Brees and Deshaun Watson are going to put on a show. I think it'll be a shootout somewhere along maybe the 40s or 30s or maybe 30, 30 or all along there. This is going to be interesting. The Texans are seven-point underdogs, and I know New Orleans is not an easy place to play. In fact, opponents that come to New Orleans, they get blown out early with Drew Brees, Kamara in that offense. But I don't know. The Texans got an offensive line now. They got weapons, and then they finally got a three-down back with Duke Johnson in that trade as well. So the Texans can make this interesting. I just think it's going to be a shootout. It's at home. Give me Drew Brees. But I think the Texans are going to cover that line. I'll, I'll say the Saints win by a field goal on Monday night. I think the Saints win as well. You know, they, they, at home, Drew Brees is almost unbeatable. And he's been like that for almost his entire career. It was hard to beat Drew Brees at home when the Saints didn't have much of a team. Now that they have a Super Bowl contending team, it's almost impossible. And Drew, Drew Brees, I think I think that, that crowd noise is going to be uh, amazing. I think that uh, it's going to mess with the uh, Houston Texans offensive line a bit. I think Deshaun Watson is going to get rattled a little bit. And I think the the New Orleans Saints on offense and defense and special teams, top to bottom, are just going to look like the better team in this game. And I expect them to win by at least a touchdown, if not a little bit more. Houston's got some talent now, Mike. I don't know. 48 hours ago, we were laughing at them. Now, look at them now. I, 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 I will admit, they, they did sure up some of their deficiencies and their weaknesses. But they I think did. it's going to be a lot of fireworks on Monday night. They, they absolutely did. You're absolutely right. But you, you're talking – this is a tall task for any team. And yeah. no matter how much you improve, I, I, I just – Drew Brees at home is one of those one of those guys, man. It's just so tough to beat. For sure. Sean Payton and Drew Brees, that same system has been there for years. Katrina when they met together in 2006. And the last game of week one, we've got a team that Mike is really high on this year. You've got the Denver Broncos going to the last year of the Oakland Raiders and the Oakland Coliseum. They've been there for years, so it'll be their last year before they head to Vegas. I consider them the Kardashians. <laughs> They're really <laughs> a show. Mike, the, the Oakland Raiders are really a show. John Gruden is a comedian. I love Antonio Brown, his talent. And I also think his antics is quite funny, too. 
Don't know what to expect with Derek Carr, but I'll tell you this, Mike. This this Josh Jacobs, I think, guy that they have is a running back. That number 24th overall from Alabama, he can play. He's a three-down back. He can beat you in the hole. He can beat you outside. He can pass catch in the passing game. But I like Denver in this game. I like Bradley Chubb and Von Miller to get sacks each in this game. And I think Joe Flacco and Emmanuel Sanders make just enough plays to win. Give me Denver on the road. And historically, Denver always plays well against the Raiders. Uh, yeah, that's, I, I would have to agree with you. I'm going with Denver as well. And I think Phillip Lindsay is going to have a great game in this as well. You know, the Oakland Raiders were not a very good run defense last year. Uh, we'll see how, how if, the, if they improve any, any much this year. But I, I think Phillip Lindsay is really going to have a big game in this one. And I'm going with the Denver Broncos as well. They, they offense, defense, top to bottom. They're going to set the tone for this season. And they're going to go They're going to go at this team. And I, I think they're going to beat them. Isn't this a trap game, Mike? The black hole on a Monday night. Oh yeah! Andrew. Oh, it's definitely a trap game because the Oakland Raiders are—they don't have nothing. To, they don't have nothing to lose. Everybody always expects them to lose anyway. So normally, when you play like that, you play free. So right. the Oakland Raiders can definitely make it competitive, but I think Denver will respond, and you know they have enough to to pull it out in the end. Definitely, Jared. All of sixteen games to kick off the regular season in Week One, the hundredth anniversary of the National Football League. It's crazy. 1919, this was the year that they first started it, and it is coming to its 100th anniversary, and we'll be keeping on alive for that. The Sandy Podcast Radio Show. For myself and Mike, we want to say so long from now inside the studios of WNFC. But before we leave, Mike, some quick things we want to talk about. Uh, let's say they've got Serbia next, Nikola Jokic, and some other players that's also NBA prospects on that Serbia team. It didn't look good. What should we expect with them on their next tune-up game? I, I think we should expect big things from them. I think, I think they, they've been getting a lot of wake-up calls. They, they need to turn their intensity up, but I expect them to still pull it out in the ball game. Definitely. Yeah, the U.S. has been tested a lot. Guys like Devin Booker not playing. McCullum not playing. Really hurting them from now, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see you guys next week. Myself and Michael Gray saying so long for now and a hot evening here in the Central Florida inside the studios of WNSC. <laughs> Let's go! Hey! Hello, everybody. How you feeling tonight? You know what we about to do. We on that namaste, yeah, yeah, ride, pride, and honor. And you know where I'm recording that, right? Bossa engineer dash. It's been a great, great week, and I want to say thank you guys so much for following me around the Orlando community. I've done the Issa shoot. I've done the hippie hideout. I've been at Members Only. And you know where I've been this whole time? Just hiding in the library with Jaden Visionary. I just have to say I thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. And keep, keep, keep popping for the community. Hey, y'all! Hi, I'm Fanny. I'm Cecilia. I'm Joanna. And I'm Alwyn Jr. and we are Precise Tax and Accounting Services in Central Florida. And we would love to give a special thanks to SEBI Podcast Crew for keeping us up to date with everything sports during this busy tax season. Do you find yourself overwhelmed by the changes in our new tax law? Or would you just love to have the peace of mind that comes with dealing with a well-informed professional? If so, reach out to us for any of your tax, accounting, or small business needs and be sure to let us know that SEBI Podcast sent you. Thank you.
You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info. Some cool merch. If you want to DM us and send us all of your email requests, we'll be sure to get them here on the Sebi Podcast experience. And remember, folks, whether you're listening on air or viewing online, Sebi Podcast is wherever you go. And that is the slogan.